Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Last we left our adventurers, they had leveled up. Level 10, baby! And they had gone through a harrowing experience with Arthur Fleeple almost dying. They came out on top with some pretty awesome loot, some pretty good magical loot they stole from the dragon, or rightfully claimed, I should say. And they made their way back to Waterdeep itself. And this is where we join our adventurers on this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. Now, dear listeners, we are going to do something a little bit different here on iCast Fireball. From last episode to this episode, we are going to be doing a time jump. Not just like a few weeks here. We're going to be doing one year later. And as such, if we look back at the history of the Jank Squad to see how quickly they've leveled up, we're going to have them level up three additional levels to 13th level right now. Uh, When I told Mickey this one, she said, it's Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) There is a Bahamut. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to take up a lot of this episode going over everything by like rolling the dice here. What we gained will come out, but we do want to get just some like the highlights from each of our characters about what they gained in their 13th level or since their level 10. So first off, we'll start with Lance. Lance, what is your max HP now? So after leveling up to level 13, I am now at 95. 95. Almost triple digits. Almost. And what new things did you gain? So I gained a, I gained an ability score improvement. So I now have plus five to dexterity. I gained the feature of a rogue of reliable talent, where now anything I'm proficient in, if I roll below, if I lower nine or lower, it counts as a 10 automatically. So you cannot go lower than a 10 for things you are proficient in. Good to know. I also got a new feature for my archetype called Ghost Walk, where as a bonus action, I become a spectral for 10 minutes where I can walk through walls, objects, people. I have a flying speed while in this form. And there's a whole bunch of little goody goods that go with it. So we'll see how that plays under the campaign. Yep. And your yeah, final we'll see thing. see how that works its way. And then finally, I also took the feat. Instead of doing my second ability score improvement, I decided this is all, by the way, leveling up in Rogue. It's just straight on Rogue, not cross-class and anything. I took, instead of leveling up ability scores, I decided to take a feat, and that is the mobile feat. That is where my speed has increased by 10. When I dash, I ignore all difficult terrain. And when I make a melee attack, I can walk away without any opportunity attacks brought against me by that creature, whether it's successful or not. Shout out to our most recent Crunch Squad where we covered this feat. This is an amazing feat to have. Yes, absolutely. All right, cool. Let's jump over to Fleeple. Fleeple, what's your max HP? 119. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, did you take uh, three extra levels in cleric, or did you go back to uh, still in druid? All druid this time. Yeah, baby. All right. What did you get uh, with your extra three levels, other than an insane amount of hit points? Uh, lots of hit points. New spells. I can now cast up to seventh. Still can only prepare up to sixth, though, because of multi-classing shenanigans. Also, shout out to our recent Crunch Squad episode about feats. I took the Warcaster feat. Yes! yes. There, there we go. go. Yes. It would have been really, really nice to have advantage on that concentration check to avoid getting popped out of Polymorph. So we fixed that now. We've got Warcaster. Uh, and the other big thing I can do now is I have some additional stuff I can do with my Ritual of Mistletoe. My Sprigs of Mistletoe used to be D4s. Now they're D6s. Nice. Nice. And additionally, I now have that sacrificial offering thing, which I think I mentioned briefly when we were fighting against the Beholder, but I can choose any creature I can see and as a bonus action, mark them as a sacrificial offering. And then whenever one of my allies hits them, I can use my reaction to spend one of my sprigs of mistletoe and add that damage as fire damage on top of their attack. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. That is, that is so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's going to be clutch. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Jealous. That's pretty good. And now I can cast Lesser Restoration with my Mistletoe as well. Whoa! Ooh. There you go. Nice. nice. Okay. And finally, Malamara, what is your HP at? Mal's HP is at 123. There you go. Because Ooh. in taking the three extra in Barbarian, I actually took the three in my Warlock feature. Oh! Look Because of a shift in patronage, a lot of things changed about our Warlock class. And so I decided to uh, explore and take some more in Warlock. So I'm a level six Warlock and a level seven Barbarian. Nice. Um, At level four Warlock, I took the ability score improvement. I just boosted my strength and charisma because they were both right teetering on the edge. So now I have a plus three to strength and a plus two to my charisma as a Warlock. Finally. There you go. Um, As a celestial warlock, I gain essentially a lay on hands feature. I have a pool of D6s that I can spend to fuel healing. And as a radiant soul, because I'm level six in warlock, I gain resistance to radiant damage and I can add my charisma modifier to any spell that I cast that has radiant or fire damage. Wow. Nice. Some great stuff there. Well, big changes for the Jank Squad. And as a result, we want to know what the Jank Squad was up to this past year. I've asked each of the players uh, to think about, with this year jump, what do each of their characters want to accomplish? Now, just as uh, regarding this story, we've had one Council of Waterdeep. And during this year-long break, they're actually going to be two additional councils of Waterdeep that happen in this year jump. So a lot of information will be developing and the Jinx squad and the, that will be reacting to that. And then uh, when we come back, it will be at the conclusion of the fourth council of Waterdeep here. So let's first talk about what the Jinx squad has been doing. Is there any player in particular that would like to start first about what your character was doing or what some of the goals your character had over the past year. Shall we roll to see who goes first? <laughs> Let's leave it to fate. 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 All right. All right. Just D20, Ned. everybody. Oh, D20. Um, we could, yeah, do oh. a D20, everybody. I thought we were really using a fate die. I got a seven. 
I got a six. I also got a six. <gasps> Reroll. <laughs> I go first. Look at that with a seven. You'll, you two will reroll, but Fleepa will go first for sure. My second roll was a 12. My second roll is a natural 20. Hey. Uh, Fleepa first. Going in alphabetical order by character name. Look at that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Feels so good. Fleeple. If I could set the scene just a little bit after, before this year-long jump, you had a lot to think about. You didn't quite get Arthur And as we saw from the previous episode, it really kind of sunk under your skin. And it was, uh, it was an irritation. It was a frustration. And that drive really pushed you um, to, one, get the Warcaster feet, to make sure that you were honing your magical craft a little bit further. But Leosin, of course, congratulating you. And being a full-fledged member of the Harper organization, you do have quite a bit of freedom to do what you would like to do. Why don't you go ahead and talk about some of the things that you would like to accomplish over this year? Yeah, so that situation with Arthur got really under Fleeple's skin. Uh, at the end there, he was kind of, you know, cracking wise, making jokes, basically just for the sake of getting everybody off of the iceberg. But it never really was all that resolved for him. He's just been thinking about it a lot. And he had kind of gone on this journey to come to an understanding of what his zeal really meant, what it caused him to do. He'd been kind of softening up. And I think in that moment, he was like, well, maybe softening up wasn't quite the right thing to do. Maybe I need to get a bit back on the zeal train and thinking, you know, I if I couldn't kill this dragon, maybe it's because I just don't have enough experience killing dragons. So I'm hitting up Onthar Froom, our friend in the Order of the Gauntlet, and just like, hey, Onthar. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, whenever you find a dragon that needs to be killed, I mean, man, just send me, send me out there. I'll make sure it gets taken care of. As luck would have it, we actually have... Um... A little bit party going out now, uh, a little bit uh, in the honor rock and the honor rock waste, if you will, a little bit of a distance from here. But uh, you know, we, perhaps we could um, get to know each other a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> what do I you could. Say? I could use a long walk to clear my mind. That would be we go. very nice, in fact. Well, come with me, Filippo. Come. And so you join Anthar Froom for one. It, there is a quite a bit of a quite a bit of a journey, even with using the Harper teleportation circles, as you are free and able to use them. Scouting for this uh, blue dragon leaves you with a lot of contemplation. But you and the party of ten other members of the Order of the Gauntlet, yeah, you make your way uh, to the to the desert. Uh, is there anything other than? just practice, practice, practice you're doing when you are killing these dragons or attempting to kill these dragons? Is there like a certain way or certain thing you're trying to figure out as well or just gotta get better at this? Gotta get that zeal worked up. Uh, he's definitely really contemplating as well his connection to Bahamut because like it's definitely a conflicted thing for him. In the moments when like he was feeling the most like maybe my zeal wasn't right those were the moments when he did often feel the most connected to bahamut and actually had experiences speaking to him so even while he's going out and just like you know got to practice killing dragons it's still a bit of an internal conflict going on there great so this first dragon i'm just going to roll to see how successful you guys were in defeating this dragon in particular just a percentile dice get some sort of percentage here wow 99%. Okay. Cool. So, uh, okay. 
Yeah, so 99%. Great, great work there, Fleepo. <laughs> and Altarfru being like, well, Fleepo, you've got quite a knack uh, for this. Uh, and as such, Fleepo, you, you do feel emboldened. Being away from the Jank squad has given you that time to be able to reflect and focus on your relationship with Bahamut and focus on your relationship to this religious part of your life. And you do feel connected to him, actually. I'll just have you roll a religion check here and just tell me the result of your religion check, please. It's a modded 20. Modded 20. Great. Thank you for that information. Excellent. And that's only a small part. Uh, I, I imagine Fleeple's like, all right, whenever there's an opportunity, let's go get a dragon. Uh, what else would you like to accomplish besides uh, defeating dragons uh, over this past year? Yes. Well, 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 we raided a dragon's lair. We got a dragon's treasure trove under our belts. So I'm going to head over to the Illusory Illusion and hit up my old friend and uh, <laughs> see if maybe there's a potion of longevity in my future. My dear Fleeple, you have only brought good goodness to my shop ever since you uh, I saw you uh, uh, illusion to illusion. Uh, uh, we were some distance away. You have brought nothing but good fortune. I, I must commend you. And um, it has taken quite a while. It has taken many months and uh, lots of convincing. But with some of the uh, items that you possibly teased. And he pulls out from his robe. A small potion of longevity. I have finally acquired the item which you seek. Oh, it does still cost 11,000 gold, unfortunately. Yes. But <laughs> it is within my possession here. Uh, so, um, uh, I, I know you said you had a, a little bit of gold on you, but uh, uh, and you had teased or mentioned that there might be some items which you wish to um, part with, which could, uh, uh, which could, would allow me to lessen the price. Yes, I flip aside my fleece, and I'm wearing a robe of scintillating colors underneath. By the great gods of justice above. <laughs> it's magnificent. It's beautiful. You see a single tear coming out of his right eye. It's so scintillating. Yes, I, magnificent. I, this indeed will knock the price down quite a bit. Uh, how much gold did you have uh, that you wish to um, uh, uh, impart uh, towards the potion of longevity? Well, just in my personal funds, I have a little over 2,400 gold pieces just on my own. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in this uh, robe of scintillating colours, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, uh, very rare. It's, uh, I'll carry the five. And, uh, you might say it's very rare. I, I, I am very well aware of how very rare it is. Uh, a little bit of a <laughs> wizard's joke there. Or <laughs> uh, oh, just wordplay. You know, it doesn't have to be a wizard's joke. Um, of course, uh, looking in my books here. Well, ah, yes, yes. Well, indeed, this is very rare indeed. In fact, it will cover the entire cost of the potion of longevity, actually. 
I, in fact, I reach uh, out. And he pulls out a sack of gold and platinum, and he goes, I must give you actually 5,000 uh, gold pieces back as well for the, the robe to make sure that our relationship, I'm not cheating you out of anything. All right. So uh, I, I grab his hand that's holding the bag with both of my claws, and I just shake it up and down vigorously. I'm just, it's been so wonderful being in business with you ever since we first all those years ago. It has been years at this point, I think, technically speaking. Yes, yes at, at least uh, at least a year and a half, I would say. Uh, and by the way, Felipe, we should just clarify that negative two to your strength score has gone away with how much time has passed. Um, oh, nice. Uh, from, so just be aware of that. Okay, so like now I back said, up to just negative one on my strength score. <laughs> exactly. Instead of a negative <laughs> six to your overall score, it's a negative, it's an eight. All right. Instead of a six, it's an eight. Uh, yeah, it, you just needed to take some like uh, time and traveling to the Anorak Desert uh, and back. That's well uh, well enough time to recover your strength and being emboldened. Uh, but yes, Philippe, there's <laughs> quite a bit of business that you are breaking me. Please, uh, please. And he gets real serious like, and gets really close to your face. Please, please, uh, please keep bringing your business to me. It's, uh, it's done wonders. I've been able to open a second store. And, oh, uh, possibly going to open one in, in Baldur's Gate. Even. Oh, franchising. So, oh, well, it's quite, you, you've done wonders for me, people. So thank you. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you. And I'm just like staring at the potion in my hands. Uh, well, I can give you some privacy if you'd like. Uh, I have a room back here if you'd like to uh, <laughs> um, I partake of the potion or I mean, this is a very private decision whenever you choose to take this upon yourself. So. Oh, yes, of course. And I just pop the cork and I chuck it down. And he goes, I, I can't say I'm angry because I've always been curious what the results were. <laughs> okay. Potion okay. of longevity. Where Here we are again. Yeah, so this is uh, where things get exciting because every time you drink a potion of longevity, there's a cumulative 10% chance that it might make you older instead of younger. So. Yeah. I'm going to roll a percentile if it's a 10 or, well, I guess if it's a nine or lower, no, 10 or lower. Yeah, 10 or yep, lower. 10 or lower. Then that is a 98. Thank goodness. Okay, so you're fine. <laughs> All right. That so, means. Yeah, I am going to de-age 1d6 plus six years, meaning I de-age seven years. Seven oh, years. Baby Fleepo. So cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fleeple is now 57. Wow. Nice. And as such, Fleeple, due to your de-aging, your strength score actually goes up by one. Two. Nine. (laughs) Nine. This is stronger (laughs) than I've ever been. Well, you've, you've done all the workout when you were old, and so as you get younger, you just keep all the good stuff. <laughs> I can imagine. Working Fleeple's going to get younger, and we're going to realize, like, Fleeple, as, as, like, a young adult, was like, wow, he was swole. He's just a swole go up that is slowly. This is a real Benjamin Button case here that we've got going on. <laughs> oh, man. As everybody else gets older, Fleeple gets younger. It's It's beautiful. Man, so very nice. Yeah, I'm with with my kind of newfound strength. I'm kind of altering my look a little bit. So like, I've still got the fleece, of course, but I've got it in more of like a John Wayne poncho style fashion that I'm wearing it in. Yes. And after my trip out in the Anorak Desert, I've got an outback hat, kind of crocodile Dundee style, yes. made out of blue dragon hide with some blue dragon <laughs> teeth uh, in the ribbon around the brim of it. 
I love this. This is so great. And I carry a hand crossbow. I don't use it, but I just carry it with me because it looks cool. And you go, that's not crossbow. This is a crossbow. You know what? You're actually exactly right. I don't know how to use this. <laughs> All for looks here. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, uh, anything else? There's a couple other dragon raids that you're going to go on that'll roll some percentiles dice on, but anything else you'd like to accomplish during this year? Uh, I'm just, you know, like Anthar said, I want to get to know him a little bit better. Just chill with the bros. Great. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and have you roll a, I know you're wonderful at this, but some like charisma, uh, oh, yeah. do some persuasion, wonderful. but I'll have you roll it with advantage due to the amount of time you are spending with Anthar Froom. And you can use a luck point for this still, even though it's over an extended period of time, if you'd like. Mm, that's only a 10. So I am going to use a luck point. In fact, that's a 17. 17. Anthar Froom, you learn a little bit about his history, about his zeal to the Order of the Gauntlet, how his family was a very wealthy family, in fact, still is. He hasn't been to see his uh, folks for quite some time, and um, how he escaped an arranged marriage uh, from back in the day because he felt such a strong... Uh, well, at first, he felt the strong call to adventure, which then, after his first adventuring party went terribly, horribly wrong by murderers of the Underdark, just the creatures and the general um, nastiness down there, he was barely able to escape with his life, and it really caused him to focus in on he could go back to his life, or he could turn to some higher powers and really do some good in the world. And so he called upon one of the gods of justice and became a paladin. The god that he called upon was Tyr, T-Y-R. And through Tyr, he found new life to bring justice about, which really starts to explain some of the actions that you know Anthar Froom from, uh, namely justifying the actions towards Balaam and uh, <laughs> cutting off the hand and deferring to Lance Thalen in that moment. You definitely feel, and that conversation comes up with Anthar Froom actually, about Balaam being deceived, rooting out evil in his cause. It's one of the big reasons why he felt such a need to go out and do some good in the world, as he felt he was just getting fattened up through politics and fattened up through the complacency of large city living. And through these conversations, I'm actually going to roll your second Dragon Raid here, Percentile Dice, to see how good you do. How your party does 55 percent here not as great you survive anthar Froom survives but you do lose about half of the entourage that joined you as well so only five other members join you other than the 10 that joined uh, set out it's a somber time after the second portion but i'll have you roll a religion check as well fleeple and just let me know the result 23 23 in this sorrow as anthar Froom and you weep and as you mourn the loss here you feel very very strongly the presence of bahamut almost as if his presence is surrounding that hollowed place as it was just the black dragon was smote in the middle of a almost forgotten wilderness near the south as those were sacrificed these the people in your entourage as they died bahamut seemed to be there it's almost as if you called him there just in your mere presence with your zeal as well. And you feel that your firmness and your devotion to Bahamut 
as it's getting stronger and getting more focused in, you're feeling that you actually can bring Bahamut to the actions that you feel are justified. Like, it's one of those revelations you have um, as you go through, everybody goes through their religious journeys. Your religious journey is helping you realize that you are as ever a major part of that journey rather than just being a recipient of that journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think this particular experience is kind of grounding Fleeple a little bit more, a little bit less anger, a little bit more, you know, maybe some stoicism that comes with that, but not like the feelings of resentment that he was feeling after they didn't quite manage to kill Arthator. It's bringing him back to the ground a little bit. I'll just roll for your final um, battle here to see what percentage you get. Okay, before we do that, actually, I'm going to spend 3,000 gold to buy 10 revivifies worth of diamonds. Excellent. It's a good thing you do, because a 44 on this determines your success on this Mm. final one. A white dragon from the north. Uh, Not Arathator, but an older one, close to ancient dragon, that heard the call of the Drakahorn and had been aroused from its uh, almost ancient slumber. You're able to catch it before it flew off to join the cult of the dragon. And as such, the new members that joined you, there were many deaths frozen in ice. And after the dragon had been dealt with, you rush over and you're able to save, well, amongst, between you and Anthar Froom, you're able to save all those that passed, spending mm. the diamonds spending all of your spells uh, all of that and um, I'll have you roll one more religion check and just tell me the result please say 16 but I'm going to spend another luck point great 21 21 thank you I'll hold on to that roll for a later time and it's at that that your year mark comes to a close, Fleeple, as you come back to Waterdeep to join in with the Jinx squad seeing them occasionally maybe flittering in and out as uh, you come back for your potion of longevity. Everybody sees your young self again, your new John Wayne look or Crocodile Dundee look uh, from time to time. But that's the end of your year here. And I believe right now we go to Lance and we think about your year at this point, right? Yes. So Lance kind of getting back from this adventure going kind of failing but also learning and reflecting on it something that he something that he kind of noticed on the way back is Malamara specifically that she's she's different because of this change of patronage just Lance has kind of seen a different a different countenance in Malamara something where Malamara always had kind of this you know, she's still she's still tough. She's still kind of, you know, not very social. But at the same time, she's more... I, w- I would say that uh, he sees this difference in her. And he reflects on that and how she, when faced with this conflict, she went toward it. She fought the demon. She fought. She Every, every chance there was to possibly turn away, Malamara is stepping up to fight. And it kind of makes him think for a little bit of like his own challenges, his own problems that he's had, and how he's just been running away from them for a very long time. And he decides that he's really good at running, but he's going to try and run toward it this time. 
And so Lance, not really not telling many people his plan as they kind of are kind of meeting in Waterdeep, he kind of, as he does, sneaks away. And he is deciding within himself that he is going to go after the Zentarum, specifically the structure around Vandal. As Thomas had indicated before, Vandal wasn't having the full support of the Zentarum. It was like a faction of it that he was kind of gathering in strength. And Lance wants to start to try and take that down. And so, very reluctantly, Lance gulps and he shrugs and he decides to try and make contact with an acquaintance named Ralph. Back in Neverwinter. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and so, yeah, Lance first goes to seek out Ralph to kind of basically say, okay, now you wanted to take over for Vandal. You didn't like the direction he was going. It's time to start implementing that. Yeah. It's not hard to get in touch with Ralph, especially now that you have so much time um, to find him and you know where he is. Uh, he still has his orc buddy, his orc friend in Neverwinter as he's holding down the fort there. Still working for Vandal, but... There's always there's always a good opportunity to rise the ranks. Then why not hear a proposal out? And so, what are you proposing to Ralph exactly? Like, are there specific actions? Yes. To Ralph, Lance proposes this as he's kind of journeyed and he's starting to understand different abilities that come with just his experiences and this weird touch he has with those close to or recently dead and dying he decides to use that to his advantage. Lance has always, since the very beginning, has always been, had like this very off-putting demeanor. Uh, it actually ties to his background, which I don't know if I've mentioned fully, which is being a haunted one. And he decides he's going to lean into everything instead of run away from it. And so Lance proposes to Ralph that he is going to create dissent within the Zentarum against Vandal specifically by fear, terror, and intimidation. Lance is going to become somewhat of an assassin, and he's going to start taking out, using hopefully Ralph's help, the power structures and the support that Vandal has, and that can hopefully create such dissent that Ralph can step in as an alternative for the Zentarum to rely on in that kind of area of the world and cut Vandal off from any support in that. So Lance is going to propose being the kind of hand of intimidation and violence to help Ralph stage a coup. Let's go ahead and have you roll um, against Ralph here. Uh, what you're proposing is very much in line with your, late, your last interactions with Ralph, how you had his life in your hands and you intimidate all of that. What we'll have you do is we'll have you roll in a different intimidation check against Ralph with advantage, but fully embracing this background, what I'm going to allow essentially is, is you will always have proficiency with intimidation when an action directly relates with your background. This absolutely is. And then if you can add proficiency through the normal means of skill, uh, skill checks, that will also be applicable, which would essentially give you expertise in the intimidation skill there. Um, so let's have you roll with advantage and intimidation check against Ralph just to see how 
how initially willing he is to help you or how proactive maybe he's going to help you because he likes this plan. But, you know, to what degree is he going to, of his own volition, outside of your orders or outside of what you suggest, going to contribute to this? Yeah. So you want me to add proficiency and basically double it with expertise, potentially? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you essentially have expertise in the intimidation skill right now. Okay. So. Good to know. It's going to be... That's a natural 20 for an expertise of intimidation... 29. Yo! Well, <clears throat> this is a very passionate and moving speech you give. And you can tell it visibly moves Ralph uh, to his normal facade that he even had at the end of your last conversation where you're threatening his life. It starts to break and alter because you're giving him a path away from being, I don't want to say slave, but beholden to somebody. As you mentioned, his backstory, he's always had a quote-unquote master. He's always had somebody he reports to, but with this, he actually truly sees a way to be free. And he's like, we're in. He's he's for it. He is 100% on the plan. And he holds practically nothing back from you. And uh, he like, if there's a secret drawer in his office, he unlocks it. If there's a hidden conversation he has, he reveals it. And you are essentially partners in this leg. Now, there's a lot that could be done here. You, you mentioned that uh, Lance is going to be going about and accomplishing tasks for maybe Zentarum uh, sects that don't agree with Vandal. And the idea is to dismantle Vandal from the inside, essentially. Kind of cut him off from the Zentarum, yes. is that right? Finding basically finding things that obviously incriminate him against the Zentarum because of him helping the cult it's not helping it's not helping this network instead it, it's it's they're dividing resources so finding documents kind of uncovering scandals also definitely killing those who are in line with Vandal and doing it in a very subterfuge way what Lance actually wants to plan on doing is actually using because knowing also in this area or just around Vandal killed his sister, and he knows his sister was very well-liked among the Zentarum. She was part of this thieves' guild. Lance was part of it, too, for a while under Vandal. And so he is going to use almost her ghostly presence that's around him, pretending it is her to exact revenge. He's actually going to utilize that imagery, leaving messages behind all of these possible murders or attacks around this is revenge, the revenge of Yellow, who, as she was known in the Zentarum. And he is fully actually something going along with kind of what Fleeple did. I didn't know we were all changing our look up, but Lance is also changing his look because from the Dragon Horde, he received the Helm of Brilliance, but he's like, this isn't very... This isn't my aesthetic, <laughs> and it and it can shine and everything. So what he ends up doing is, again, embracing this idea of just running with it, being him, going all in on what he is. He will take off his scarf and actually wrap it around the helm, creating a kind of turban, so that it is always visible and always present, and that his neck is now bare for anyone to see, and that can also lead to more of this kind of intimidation. 
I'm loving all of this, and I love uh, the conversations with Ralph, and to honor the role and the well-thought-outness, I'm also going to be rolling a series of D100s checks here, but I'm going to be adding a plus 30 to the checks to be kind of like a, like a plus 3 to highlight how well thought and like how well connected you are so where ralph can easily pick up the slack if you happen to slack in one particular instance and your sister can help out as well so let's have the first one go here maybe this is just initial information gathering meeting meeting in uh almost like speakeasies if they exist in neverwinter and uh in some of the other major cities of course i'm a sanderson fan so i'm thinking about like in mistborn where they have the recruitment uh missions how like it's all in like the uh, soup kitchens but let's see what this first roll is well that's an 82 on the die so with a plus 30 i'm gonna have it just jump right up to a hundred percent full success everyone is is on your side uh in these major cities and those that are not with vandal are like yes we understand like this this is a good thing to break this connection from the cult of the dragon and those that are with vandal they're getting a little spooked and they uh maybe are withdrawing from certain zentarum activities for fear of retribution or fear from fear of association with vandal the second role i'm gonna have what, what would you propose maybe the second role would be uh maybe some actual missions that you go about maybe some actual assassinations yeah. or yeah let's do that Okay, so maybe some high-profile people in Baldur's Gate, perhaps, that as corrupt as it is, maybe you find some people that are directly linked, and with the help of either Ralph or some of the other Zentarum leaders, uh, you are going to try and sneak in and deal with some of these supporters. And with the help of my leveling up, with now having Ghost Walk, I can virtually kind of walk through walls, potentially, to get to some of these high-profile people. Yeah. This one is a 26 on the dice, but plus that 30 bumps up to a 56. It's a margin. It's a, it's a little bit successful. Not a little bit. It's some things went well and some things did not go well. You yourself, you were injured for a little bit. Uh, you got quite a bit of a limp. Um, and it seemed that you were definitely a focus of this mission. Seems like word has gotten around and maybe Vandal has a price out on your head. Just another day in the life of Lance Thalen, it seems like. That's still... Uh, you know, a partial success that still is bringing people over, but it, because things didn't go exactly as planned, the momentum slows just slightly, but still moving forward. What's the final check you'd like to have here, or a uh, final uh, percentile dice be about? Sort of like uh, we've done so, we've done an assassination mission, uh, we've done some recruitment essentially for the Zentarm to get them on your side. Um, what's another thing that you think would be beneficial to explore with this final check here? I would say, well, this this ties to something directly. I, I kind of mentioned it before, but this ties directly to something that was in my backstory that I sent to you, Thomas, was the reason everything bad went down between Lance Thalen, his sister, and Vandal is Lance Thalen found that Vandal was fudging numbers in the books. He was taking profit. And it's the Zentarum, everyone's out for profit, but to take it from each other in the Zentarum, that's a big no-no. And so Lance decides to use a little subterfuge to get this information, to release it to not only the Zentarum, but then to start releasing it to city officials, printing it possibly in pamphlets and papers showing 
vandal being connected and the corruption happening in cities around him that would make the Zentarum real vandal's names out there and everyone knows it and it's not just like a oh hush hush but now he's a known entity that is basically hurting everybody but himself so like a long game whisper campaign yep. like maybe that's the first thing you start but you're like i need a good long time for this to actually take hold kind of like inception the idea has to really take hold i like that i like that and you have studious as you are um, you do have some of that information still remembered and you're like and and you try to find it and you start the whisper campaigns and you offer proof later on you are successful we'll see how in collecting the proof We'll see how well it takes hold amongst these officials uh, and from other people of the Centaurum with this final roll. That was a 42 on the dice plus 30 to get 72 there. 72 is quite a bit of people believe you. Quite a bit of people are like, this is not great. This is this is actually pretty scummy and we're the scum of the earth just being the Centaurum already. And so there is quite a bit of people who wish to break ties. There are only maybe one or two truly secretly devoted people in the Zentarum or like small sects that really want to support Vandal still. So it's possible some information still might trickle to him being in the Cult of the Dragon. But for the most part, I would say a good 80 to 85% of his contacts have been completely wiped out and he has been shunned by those 80 to 85 con- percent contacts from the Zentarum. A very successful, very successful campaign to shame and cut Vandal off. So well done in that campaign there. Is there anything else that Lance would like to accomplish throughout the year then not directly related to the Zentarum or uh, like, are you going to get a potion longevity here? Y- yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah. they're great they're the best no uh, no I got a lot of years left uh, as, a, it's as the an coolest. elf <laughs> everybody's it's doing cool. it it's so yeah, cool. that is a good point uh, a potion of longevity has a little bit less bang for your buck when you're an elf than when yep. you're a kobold yeah <laughs> um, what Lance is gonna do I mean I wasn't actually planning this but it just kind of came into my head Lance is going to while he's involved in all this Something, I guess it's just Lance backstory time. Something that when Lance and his sister were, or at least, you know, attempted assassination, they were, they were, they were just left in a gutter outside of Neverwinter. And Lance waking up almost impossibly from what would be death. He saw his sister there. He panicked. He ran. He doesn't know whatever happened to her. And so he wants to see if he can find a place where where she was put to rest and just kind of have a little bit of a just a moment for him and her this is almost a seemingly impossible task as the years go on but you have a good amount of money on you that you've gained from the year year and a half as an adventurer if you're willing to spend a couple thousand you could probably get some sort of thief catcher shout out to wheel of time uh, or some sort of other Zentarm agent who could do some research and can do a lot of the, the dirty work as you give him time frames, as you give him uh, knowledge about how the underworld, they know how the underworld worked and the sewers operate. So if you're willing to throw two to 3,000 gold, uh, this person could probably have enough to 
research and find to where you they might be able to find where your sister was laid to rest. I can, I'll do that, but I can also add, because some of the items that we had, we decided to maybe use towards some of our goals. I'm going to also kind of, maybe to bring the cost down of that, find through my Zentarum contacts, a seller for specifically this adamantium armor. Mm, okay. So the 3,000 gold and adamantium armor. Adamantine? Adamantine? Adamantium. I don't know. And the person you hire is a spindly man who looks very sickly, but is actually surprisingly very nimble and goes, I will find what information I can and get back to you regularly update you and that was nine months ago and you've received constant updates and then finally after nine months when you're back in neverwinter he approaches you and goes i believe my task has been completed allow me to usher you and you see as you as we cut scene over to a graveyard a mass grave but a small section has been dug up very primly but respectfully as you see a body that, although has been unfortunately dead for some time, has been cared for, or rather cleaned up, to present to you. And it is your sister, which is a little bit surreal as you also feel your sister behind you, (laughs) ever with you. And she goes, I believe my body held up quite a bit for the past year. Don't you think, Lancy? You've seen better days. And she gets a little somber as she appears next to you and goes, Lancy, you've grown so much over the past year, and I've stayed to make sure that you, I knew you were taken care of. And as her hair is covering half of her face, she turns with her face mostly covered still, her bright red hair. But I think I'd like, I think I'd like to sleep now if you'd let me. I think. Um, I think that'd be best. I think that'd be best. You've, I don't know how, but you have helped me so much. And I wish, I wish I could have helped you. I'm sorry. Her ghostly apparition of a hand reaches up to your cheek and it almost feels solid as she touches and brushes your cheek and goes, We each did the best we could, Lancy. That's all we ever can do. I hold no regrets, and I release you from my guilt. And it's right at that moment you feel a soft weight pop in your pocket, and you reach into the pocket, and you pull out almost like a medallion, actually, with a yellow scarf flowing in the breeze, which you know this to be one of the medallions that you can hold on to as someone around you dies. Lance will Lance will put it around his neck. And is she is the visage still there? Yeah, she's still standing in front of you. She goes, I think you gotta let that one go if I'm if I'm to sleep. I know, I just um just want you close one more time. I love you, Yellow. I love you, Callie. I I love you, Calorin. Echo last. And he'll crush the medallion in his hand. And like ash, it crumples in your hand. 
blows away, carried by a sudden gust of wind. And as the medallion blows into the trees, starting from her feet all the way to her smiling face, you see Callie, your sister that you've held on to for so long, drift into the great unknown beyond. Before Lance goes back, he will take the body, find a, just a very quiet place on the outskirts of Neverwinter, give it kind of a proper burial, and plant as much as he needs to spend just an acre or more of yellow, orange, and red flowers. And with the money that you spent, or rather the offering you give to the Zentarum, you've almost guaranteed a constant nourishment of that plot of land of yellow, as she has been pivotal over this past year to enforce the treachery and vileness of Vandal, as that has been being spread, her honor and her the love of her has been raised. And you need not worry that that plot of land go to waste anytime soon. And as that finishes out your year, you go back to Waterdeep as well for the final council. But we still have one more character that has spent a year-long mission of their own. And Mal, what are some of the things you would like to accomplish over this year? Mal is left alone in Waterdeep. Fleeple is off fighting dragons, and Lance is off fighting his demons from his past, and Mal is left alone with her sword. A sword and powers that she doesn't understand. Uh, Eretu's magic was just so natural for her. The the power just like seemed to flow through her naturally, even though she wasn't born with the powers. Once she had them, she felt as if she had always had them. But these new radiant powers are so foreign to her. They they vibrate in her body and she can't cast the spells that she had before. They all feel so wrong. And Bahamut is frustratingly silent. Ertu was so chatty, but after a month of no dreams and no whispers, she knows she has to do something or this radiant magic is going to tear her apart. She packs up a few of her belongings and before she leaves, she thinks about using a service to send the boys a sending message out on their various missions. But instead, she writes them both a letter and gives them to Leosin to give to the guys when they, whenever they return back to the city. And if she's going to get the help that she needs, she has to make a hodge to the Temple of Bahamut in Avarath, and she needs to deal with this sword first. So along the way to the Never Mountains, where Avarath is, she finds a clearing out in the middle of nowhere. She's camped out several days, so she knows that no one is near. She's off the road, and she's bushwhacking her way through the forest. And so she finds a secluded spot, and she takes the sword that Ertu gave her, and she pulls out 
the plane shift stone that they originally got from the first gith that they had killed. She had asked Lance for it before he left, and she ties the stone to the sword, and she puts it point first into the grass. And the scene looks very similar to when Air 2 had first given her the sword. But she knows that Air 2 cannot get his hands back on this, and it's not safe on this plane. So instead of keeping it with her or trying to find someone else to take it, she decides to return it to the Gith Knights. And while she hikes back down the mountains, she hopes that it's off the beaten path and that the Knights obviously have some way of finding this uh, sword. And then she continues on to Avarath, which is a high population of dragons and dragonborn types with a much smaller percentage of humans and an even smaller percent of half-orcs. She is back in another area where she is not the main person, but she's pretty used to that. And so she takes her and her little knapsack of belongings to the temple doors and just pounds on the church doors. As you just make your way towards this temple, it's not uncommon to see a dragon flying in the distance. Different shades than what you've seen, though. Gold, silver, bronze, these different hues of dragons flying. And it's unlike what you've seen in your adventuring life. And as you get closer to the temple, there are dragonborn or half-dragon, which also share similar hues. And uh, you see some, as you said, some other races as well, but you stick out. And there's almost like the town or the surrounding area around the temple had noise but as you keep advancing to the doors the silence comes across the landscape and as you pound on the doors someone from behind you directs you and goes and who are you to come to Avrathe blessed of Bahamut's structures and you turn around and it's just a elven man simply dressed but with a bright almost reflecting coat that he's wearing. All of the strength and confidence that Mal has built up over the past four years since her village was wiped out and under the servitude of Air 2 and the power and strength that she felt from his presence and his power has been completely stripped away. And she just feels, she feels very weak and very vulnerable and shaking. She stumbles. I, I'm really new to this whole thing. I, I just, I need to talk to Bahamut. Can, can you help me? Ah, a pilgrim, intriguing, to see one of your makeup, reaching and seeking Bahamut. But, and as his eyes narrow, I do sense a strength in you. One that can only be from the creator himself. Come, follow me. And he walks forward and past you to the temple. And as he opens the door, he goes, My name is Otari Liakarnos. You can call me Otto for short, though. As he gives you like this sly smile. And come, we can discuss many things. Now, Mal, it sounds like you'd like to stay there for quite some time. Yes. Okay. What is your goal in staying there uh, to just further this connection, to learn new, to get strengthened? 
So her goal being there, hopefully being, I mean, there's temples of Bahamut all over the place, but this is kind of the, for lack of a better phrase, the Mecca of Bahamut and his, his most glorious temple and all of these things. And she's hoping that by being here and being as close to Bahamut as she can be, maybe she'll be able to understand these powers. Or if Bahamut specifically is not helping guide her, the clerics understand what's happening or the paladins or the other people that are constantly surrounded by Bahamut can help guide her through both the changes that are happening to her and to understand the religion and the ideology of it because she's never had that kind of connection to a deity before. And so over the next year, she's going to stay there and work on being a devout member of the Church of Bahamut and becoming a acolyte of his, not background acolyte, but an acolyte of his. And through that, that's where those three new levels of warlock have kind of come from is the time that she's spent training and working and experimenting and learning while she's here to hopefully gain back that power and confidence that she had from Air 2, but this time from a positive experience and a positive lawful good deity. Yeah, I like this. Um, let's go ahead and have you roll just uh, a religion check just right up front here and just tell me the results of that, please. And while you're doing that, I apologize. Otto is actually supposed to be uh, a female, so I just <laughs> retcon that a little bit here. Uh, just in the lore of uh, Tyranny of Dragons. You, he, they can be whoever. I want to be... I, I don't want to homebrew the whole campaign here. I want to pull <laughs> something from the book, okay? <laughs> All right, religion check. What is it? My religion check was a 10. 10, sounds good. All right, that's just to set off like this initial interaction with uh, Otto, um, as she calls herself. And um, she, come to find out, Otto is a ancient silver dragon that likes to uh, disguise herself in elf form from time to time when it's inconvenient to be a gargantuan creature in the same room as uh, less gargantuan creatures so that comes out pretty quickly as you devote yourself to being an acolyte she um the first time you see her she goes oh i i wanted to see how uh, i could uh, frighten you or jostle you into uh, uh humility i mean you are already pretty humble but uh, as you're looking at this gigantic uh dragon she her head comes down and slithers down on the ground next to you with this massive eye just looking at you as she starts to teach you and usher in your tutoring of bahamut we'll have this first role here similar to the other two um characters we'll have this first role be your initial delving into bahamut here to see how quickly others perceive you pick this up and maybe how ingrati- how much you ingratiate yourselves to the other metallic dragons that are here at the temple I was rolling the percentile dice and uh, got an 85. Quite a bit of um, your humility, um, servitude, and uh, just willingness to... I mean, Mal's hit rock bottom, it seems, multiple times now. And the first time she hit rock bottom, 
maybe didn't make the decision she realizes that she should have made. And now she wants to make sure she does it right. So someone tells her to jump related to Bahamut, she might very well jump. And it's starting to, some of the other metallic dragons are starting to take notice in particular, one called Protanther, a gold dragon. They also join in on your tutoring. Uh, and Mal, we're gonna be doing two more of these checks to be uh, in tutoring, uh, leveling up, learning more about Bahamut and truly being that de that devotion to him. So we'll do a first one here. All right, that was a 45 on the D100. So this next stage, your attitude has not changed whatsoever, but the novelty of a half-orc um, devoting themselves to Bahamut and really spending the time here in the temple is starting to wear off with a few few metallic dragons that visit, but Protanther and Otto um, are still pretty intent on helping you, assisting you, getting to know you, and sharing in. And through these discussions, you share the plight of the cult of the dragon because the metallic, and you don't have to really bring it up because they do themselves. It's a recurring problem that the metallic dragons are aware of and are unsure what they should do, how they should interact, what would Bahamut have them do, things of that nature. So because you, Malamara, were, have just devoted all three of your checks to just learning, just devotion, and spending almost 12 continuous months here, I'm going to have this last D100 roll add a 25 to it as a result. Okay, so I got a 30 on the dice, which brings it up to a 55 you really feel a much stronger connection to Bahamut and you don't have any visitations necessarily, but you have three additional levels in Warlock with the Celestial Bond as Bahamut as your patron. And you feel, oh, similar to Fleeple, you feel that you are the one, you have just as much say in contributing to that relationship, but you are just barely beginning to understand it where Fleeple is truly feels like he he knows that these roles not only are they uh, to help you in your devotion they're actually also to help and assist your relationship with these metallic dragons and maybe how much they are convinced to assist the council of Waterdeep, as they have been holding council they've been holding meetings and asking how they can strengthen and they've asked for your opinion from time to time and your opinion has held sway with the metallic dragons to the point where at least half of the council that's been meeting agrees that not only should something be done, they should throw their weight behind the council of water deep here. So you have a significant portion of metallic dragons that are willing and wanting to help, but certainly not every metallic dragon in all of Faerun. But it's good news to bring back to the council of water deep as you have missed two of the four councils here uh truly finding yourself and finding uh your newfound powers you've received occasional messages from fleepo or lance through sending one even by a beleaguered dove that um is <laughs> gone through very bitter conditions to carry a written message but it's it's good news it's not the most amazing news and um you pray that the council of Waterdeep may have other things that could to where the news of metallic dragons could help sway the final battle. But 
it's it's a good thing that's been being moving forward and with that mal you go to leave but before you do protanther in uh his human form comes to you i have been holding on to this item for longer than you've been alive for one who i felt was worthy or who earned such a gift he pulls out a brilliant almost pure white sword and it shines and almost seems to glitter in the light and as it glitters in the light you see faint gold reflect off the blade in of itself infused with some of my own scales and some of um, the scales of my late mate this i give to you malamara to serve you in this fight for while we fight in the air may this not only remind you of what you came to learn and feel but will also bring the righteousness of bahamut to enemies that stand before you and he hands you a magic item called the white sword nice this is a basic long sword for those that are unaware of what this is and it deals an extra 1d8 radiant damage to any target it hits the cool thing is that it crits on a 19 and a 20. that's a good sword Mm-hmm. That's a good this sword. That's a good sword. That's a real good sword, and it's magic. Perfect. While Mal is still in Avroth, she spends one final session in the temple, and while she's there meditating, she creates a Pact of the Blade with Bahamut, which makes this white the white sword her boon sword so she's able to dismiss it into an extra dimensional pocket and resummon it at will and in this devotion in this ritual that you cast you do hear a voice it's brief but the voice says i honor this pact and impart my power upon malamara and as it reverberates in your head and your ears, you feel this overwhelming sensation come over you and just take a big breath and you dismiss the blade. And you feel like your work is done. The long trek back to Waterdeep is that. It's very long. And uh, you go to check the same spot that you jabbed the sword in only to find nothing there. Whether they got the sword and the stone you can't be sure there's no clear indications there's no scorch marks on the ground there's no message saying thanks keep in touch things like (laughs) that but you feel that it is no longer with you and other than the very pressing issue of the demonomicon on your person you feel that your lance Lance has it Lance has it. Rewind. But we still have it. Yes, that is a pressing issue. And you finally feel that your connection to Air 2 has been severed, not only internally, but externally as well. And all three of you come to to Waterdeep for the final council to discuss, plan, and see the results 
what the cult is doing and how best you can take them down. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. Buckle up, baby. Year jump. <laughs> oh man, that's a good episode. year jump. Mm-hmm. What a good year jump! A lot of talking uh, with some good roles, some good role playing there, and uh, just my my players. Thank you all for being very patient to give your fellow cast members here their time, or rather their characters, their time to shine in the light. I feel like everybody got a really good moment. Uh, I hope that you feel that everybody got a good moment there as well. I thoroughly enjoyed exploring a little bit more into this journey, maybe these long-term goals that we've been teasing or trying to achieve throughout the rest of the campaign. This is really fun, very cathartic for me over here. But as always, I want to thank our players, Jacob, Ned, Mickey, thank you so much. But listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of iCast Fireball. If you like what we're doing, as always, you can reach out to us uh, by leaving us a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice where we shout people out, or you can shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com where we read through everything, use your suggestions, and shout you out on the podcast here. Don't forget that you can reach us on our social media platforms as well. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We do not have threads. I don't think we will be using threads, but uh, we will have to see how that continues to unfold. Technically, Twitter's X now. It's anyway. But the thing that is not a mess and the thing that has not changed is our recently launched Patreon, where we're at patreon.com slash iCastFireball20. Everybody, it's so much fun over there. If you haven't joined one of our tiers, uh, the $5 tiers where you can join our patron-exclusive Discord, we're just having a blast. We're having so many fun discussions, so many conversations, uh, talking about CR levels and unbalanced characters and monsters and how fifth edition is broken regarding CR level and things like that. We've got an exclusive thread where uh, fans can just talk to me, the dungeon master, where I'm answering lots of questions or brainstorming. Uh, we got some polls that have been going on in there as well. It's a blast. I highly recommend you jump on our Patreon to see what tier works for you and may have some changes to with additional tiers in the future. So always keep an eye out for that. I want to give a shout out to our sister podcast as well. Improv Tabletop. Ned is fantastic. He's the GM over there. They have just fantastic campaigns, different varieties, different genres. If you are only a horror person, they've got a campaign. If you are only a Harry Potter person, they've got a campaign. If you've only, if you are only an avatar, the last airbender person, they've got lots of campaigns. There's a ton of stuff for you to go check them out. Don't forget to leave them a five-star review on the way out. Lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, fellow walk adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.